Today's episode of the Sleepers Podcast uh, isn't brought to you by anyone, but Carter and I are both here. Thursday, August 24th. Uh, it's hot out. It's rainy out. I don't like this weather. I'm nervous for some reason. It's nervous weather to me. Did you have like that huge lightning and thunderstorm last night? No, at least not that I know oh, of. Dude, in the Metro Detroit area, it was like apocalypse level thunder, lightning, like sky lit up every five seconds, like lightning and thunder so loud that it like shook the house. I like, couldn't sleep. It was like insane. Mm, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just nervous. There's a nervous energy in the air. I don't know why I look outside. I can't tell if it's storming or not, or if I'm going to burn to death or not. Uh, I'm going to a concert tonight. More on that in my one big thing, but I'm, I'm just nervous today, Cart. That's how I feel. Uh, we have three topics to get to as always some fun ones today. We've got more lists to dissect a top 10 recruit in the country that Michigan feels great about. And uh, as always, a Big Ten randomizer. Two more days left until we shut off the YouTube comments, but we are going to read them all today. And uh, we got a bunch of comments in the Discord as well, so we'll fly through this. And uh, College Football Newsletter, you sent me a draft. That's in my inbox this morning. I glanced at it. It got me so fired up. I stopped because I'm only going to read it when I can give it the full attention it deserves. So I'm looking forward to that. That's going to come out in the Discord this afternoon. Uh, if you like our college football newsletters, get in the Discord. Link in the description so that you can get those this season every single week. And Riley Friday is tomorrow. Riley Davis is returning to the show after a week away. We have verbal confirmation that Riley will be back to take over the Sleepers podcast on Friday. But let's get right into the comments, Cart. Uh, I'm scrolling through because we had a lot of dialogue in our comments area of the Discord yesterday. We're talking IPA debates uh, the best pizzas that are in there. Fam keeps calling me out for dropping F-bombs on these episodes. Uh, Koi's comment here, genuine question. How much of the champagne appreciation is a bit? If it's mostly not a bit, what do you like about it so much? I mean, it's not a bit for me. I truly do like uh, Green Street and champagne. I just like how it's something about having like a strip of bars near the campus that is centered around the theme of obviously the college town that it's in that I just enjoy. Like when I had my time there, when we did our college to go episode when we were going up and down green street. I just, I loved it. I love going to legends, love going to Murphy's. I even love going to the, uh, Illini student store. Like it was just a great merch store. So like, I enjoyed that. And I mentioned, you know, our time and our trip to Bloomington as well. I felt the same way about Bloomington. There's that one strip, and it was electric on game days and there was stuff to do and Kilroy's and Nick's and it's, you know, I just, I enjoyed my time in Champagne. I felt, I felt in place in Champagne too, if that makes sense. Like there were some places where I was kind of getting my footing. I didn't feel right. When I was in Champagne, I, I felt, I felt at home. Yeah. I said this to Coy. It's not a bit from me at all. Like it's a hundred percent genuine. It might be shaded by the fact that like, I feel like we were really well received in Illinois. Like people kind of knew us because Illinois fans had already discovered the sleepers channel. So maybe I'm a little biased just to like, I enjoyed that aspect of it, but no, it's like if I was on an official visit, I would have verbal committed to Illinois on the visit. 
Uh, and then I still would have hit Bloomington and hit some of these other spots, maybe by the end, like it, the verbal never comes to paper, but it would have been a verbal commit on the spot. And, uh, yeah, it's just a place I would have loved to go to school. And I'm a big time, like college town guy. Like I think I'm happiest when I'm on a college campus somewhere. And, uh, everything about Champaign was like right up the alley, like a nine or a 10 on a scale of one to 10. So not a bit. Tristan Freeman says, when it comes to the reaction podcast that never went public, hashtag release the tapes. Do we need to dig know. that up, Cart? Do we need to? I don't know. I don't think we need to dig that up. That's very, very negative energy from Tristan. I don't know. I don't know if like where the sleepers are rubbing off on him, but he's he's been a little bit more violent since we recorded with him. I don't want to see me at my worst. And that was that was truly me at my worst. I don't I don't want to see that either. There's also some unreleased taste of us at Applebee's later that night, and I've never seen you sadder. Yeah, thank God for Bleacher Report sliding in our email and dropping it back for us that, that was night. That Otherwise, night, yeah, if that hadn't happened that night, who knows where I would be right now? Uh, Luke Mancope is in the Discord. He says, "Did you guys go to Harry's when you came to Purdue?" Yeah, we did. We got yelled at. And we got told that we can't record in there. And um, we didn't get our beer because Gene Katie was in Harry's and life stopped once Mr. Katie entered the building. But I wanted a cold brouhaha. <laughs> I just am so confused about who West Lafayette is. Um, like, I, I don't understand the character of West Lafayette. I understand the character of every other place we went. Like Columbus, big city vibes, Super Bowl town. Bloomington college town does not give a hoot about football likes to drink champagne versatile got everything for you ann arbor intellectuals uh likes to think they're better than you east lansing shit show in a great way like i know who all of those towns are i have no idea who west lafayette is they act like they're a dry campus but they sell booze at their games they have one bar one bar in the whole place uh, you have to park in people's yards. It's just a weird infrastructure, weird plan. I feel like they need a city planner to come in there and just like determine what they want to be because there's no identity there right now. And yeah, at uh, at, at what was it? Is it Harry's? Is that where it was? Harry's chocolate shop. Yeah, at Harry's, uh, we got yelled at because it was Michigan fighting for their tournament lives in Bloomington that day. They were playing Indiana, and if they won, they were on the right side of the bubble. If they lost, they were essentially eliminated. They blew a 12-point second-half lead with 10 minutes left. I was in shambles. I was celebrating the wins in the moment when they were up 12. And yeah, we had bartenders come over to us in a packed house, no less. Like that bar was standing room only. Come up to us and tell us we needed to calm down. No, sir, we don't need to calm down. Okay, this is the only bar of the 50 we went to on this trip where anyone told us we need to calm down just because Gene Cady was walking around. Good Lord. Yeah, I'm getting, I, I did not like my trip to West Lafayette. Uh, G Boo says, Comment, in order for T-Walk to win National Player of the Year, what kind of numbers would he have to put up? Mm. You know, this is interesting to me when I when this first came across because Coy actually chimed in and brought up Io's numbers and what he did and didn't win National Player of the Year that year. I'm not sure who won it the year that uh, Io didn't win. Was it Luka Garza? Yeah, I think it was Garza. It was Garza, which, I mean, Garza put up historically great numbers um you know for me tyson's going to have to average i would say above 18 points on really good percentages 
and probably like four, four and five, five and five, four and four. But I just don't see a world where one he does that because Tyson's not necessarily like a stat sheet stuffer type guard. Like I feel like he'll get some assists and get some rebounds, but it's not going to be like a twenty six and six or a twenty five and five year. And even if he does that. Zach Eady might have better numbers this year than he had last year. So I don't know. It's going to take something special, I think, to beat Zach Eady's National Player of the Year campaign or just, a, I don't know, like what do you call it, voters fatigue. Like they just they, they don't want to vote for Eady again because they already saw it one time. But I, I think it's going to take some special numbers, something like Io-like numbers. And I don't know if Tyson has that, to be honest. Yeah, I think Coy correctly called this out. Like, Aya was 26 and 5 and finished second to Luka Garza. Like, Edie's going to put up 23 and 13. He just is. So, does Tyson's 18, 5 and 4 that you just said really compete with that? I don't think it does. Um, I, I think you really would just need Edie to take a massive step backwards. Or, I guess the flip here would be if Purdue flamed out. Like, if Purdue somehow wasn't a top 25 team, even though Edie was really good then he's not the national player of the year. But uh, I know you're smirking at the thought of that. Just, just to propose. I'm, I'm, smirking, at, I'm smirking at the thought of the, the spin the block thing that will happen to our videos where we said how good Purdue would be <laughs> without Zach. Uh, they, they will be good with, with or without Zach. Yeah, there's, there's not, honestly, there's not a world where they do that, to be honest. That's just yeah. I'm sorry, Tyson. Sorry, Tyson. Uh, D Rose SAT says, if you were guaranteed your team was going to lose a road weekend game, but had to spend the whole weekend in that Big Ten college town, where would you go? His guess is Madison. Not a bad guess. Hmm. You go first on this one. I need one more second. I see. I don't have a clean cut answer here. I feel bad, but like it just comes down to like what my favorite spots were. Like, I don't think my team losing really impacts it. Like I, I watched my team lose games in a bunch of these spots and still had fun. Like you saw Michigan state lose in champagne. Champagne was awesome. Uh, Madison was really fun still. I think it would be fun even if Michigan lost to Wisconsin there, um, I would put Bloomington up there for sure. And I would, I would put East Lansing up there. Like I saw Michigan lose the rivalry in Michigan state had a blast in East Lansing that night still. So, yeah, I think for me, it'd be top three, no order, Bloomington, Champaign, Madison. I'm going to give the edge to Madison. I think, I think I give the edge to Madison that Madison was nice. Despite Greg guards, 44 point offensive output, like, the actual town was super nice. Yeah, our Madison trip was very unique because it was almost in segments. Like we had the Wisconsin game early, which was just as horrible as it could go, as ugly as it was. And the Madison staff didn't really welcome us the way other staffs did. Uh, so we were kind of like pessimistic toward it after that. Then we had a full day left. Then we hit a party on the ice. <laughs> that was electric. Then we had to regroup for Michigan, Michigan State that night, which was also electric. Uh, but I don't know. Just a very Madison was probably the most unique trip. Like all the others kind of we went, and we went to the Capitol. And we went to the cat. It was there was a lot going on in Madison. I, I like the Madison pick to D Rose's question. Jeff Parks is in the Discord. He says, Will you ever do any daily pods live so that the sleepwalkers can dominate the chat? We won't leak any insider info. Um 
I think that is something we can do. It seems like that's something the community is interested in. So we may need to figure that out sooner rather than later. The hard part with this is that we record this at like, like we got on at 8.45 a.m. Eastern today. And I don't know how many people are watching or ready to comment actively live that early in the morning. So um, like in theory, we could do something live later in the day, but that's harder on us. And I would want to know there's a real audience in order to flip that. Yeah, true. If we if we get on a live and there's not like there's no one in there, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be rattled. I'll be distraught. I'm that type of player. I think the better move here would be to do some live stuff around games during the season. Like let's do like a live watch along that people in the Discord can join. And that is in the works. That's a plan right now. So we'll put it together. And then Jeff, second question. Have you guys heard any insider info on Maui and what may transpire there? Um no, other than I, it's it's not going to be played. I don't think. Yeah, um, I, I think they've already secured a backup location. I'm not. I can't remember what was. I'd have to look back and see what was what was told to us. But a backup location has already been secured. Um, so it, it's not looking. It's not looking good. All around sad stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, nothing, no way to make that funny or entertaining. Sorry. Keith Johnson says, Hey, one of the MSU fans you called out yesterday here, you guys are exaggerating the hype we have on Cooper. It's the off off season with football, not even started. We are dying for content and Loki jealous of all these schools getting overseas televised games. Cart's so off base. No one in their right mind is pushing for Coop to be a starter. Just pumped to see offense from someone who literally showed nothing last year. We would be just as jacked if Madi posted a video of him whopping three pointers. This is all just from a lack of stuff going on. So we are stuck debating stupid shit like Trey Holloman and Carson Cooper. Yeah. Two parts of this one. I will agree. There is a factor that this is all that's on the timeline. Like This is what we see. We see Carson Cooper vids. We, see Trey Holloman vids like this is what we're seeing it is a very slow time I will agree to that yes but on the flip side of that this is not just slow time talk like there has been Carson Cooper dialogue since the since the USC game that he's the center of the future and that he's our best option at center that's a very very real thing and the a lot of the hype videos that come out this year for Michigan State basketball social media accounts there's a lot going on in those videos. I think the top thing talked about is Trey Holloman hitting a left open wing jumper. And slightly behind there is probably Colin Carr's dunks. It's just, I don't know. I still feel this, I still feel the same exact sentiment that it, it's just why do we have to put this pressure and overhype guys that technically, if they're a huge contributor, that might mean something bad for the team. Like they can contribute for sure. Like I'm definitely on board with, and I think people might take this wrong. I'm on board with Carson Cooper being a contributor. If he's our main option at center though, I don't think that's a good basketball team. That's mainly where I'm coming from. And I, you know, you could call me out and say it's wrong, Greg, but at least on my timeline, things I've seen, it seems that the Carson Cooper propaganda train is for him to be the best center on this basketball team. I don't think that Keith's comment is wrong. Like it is just off season stuff. I also don't think what you're saying at all is inaccurate. Um, I think from, from what I know and from what I have seen, and maybe these are private conversations that you and I have been having that other people haven't, uh, like they're, they're very clearly are people 
that I will not name that cover Michigan State basketball that behind closed doors will openly say Cooper needs to be the starting center by the end of the season. And I think maybe that's shading some of our comments on this is stuff that other people aren't seeing publicly. And they're kind of like, well, why are Greg and Carter raising such a stink about this? Maybe we're doing that just because of private conversations we've had that others haven't had. But um, I think it's a fair comment from Keith. Like maybe we overreacted a little bit. We also wanted to counterbalance my rant about Olivier Kamwo with a Michigan state one. So Carson Cooper had to get that side of it. I missed a comment from Ethan Basilla in the discord. He says he feels like he got called out on today's pod. Now yesterday's pod for being a little too inactive on the discord. Here's a question for tomorrow. What's your favorite sports event you've ever attended? Mine was probably 2021 football, Michigan state, Michigan, never seen Spartan stadium. So electric. Uh, that that's it for me. That was absolutely pandemonium the whole day was great too by the way like everyone was there uh you know game day big noon barstool all those guys were there it was great uh great tailgating we were there together which was great as well um this close second that i don't appreciate enough funny story true story my first tigers game i don't know what game exactly was was the game that magdalene hit that walk off to uh, go, what was it the World Series or ALCS? Your first Tigers game was the ALCS. My, my, my first Tigers game, my first Tigers game of like an age where I could actually understand. Like my parents took me to games when I was younger, but this wow. was like my very first game. Um, was the tickets were given to me by I think my uncle who could not go because of a family emergency, um, and actually gave us tickets, gave me and my dad tickets to the game, and I wasn't even big that big a baseball fan like that, but that was. I couldn't even hear myself think when that homer happened. It was insane. Yeah, that's that's a great one. That's an insane thing to be at. Um, yeah. I I am realizing in response to this question, I haven't had a lot of great results from games I've gone to as a fan. Like most of the biggest games I've been to as a fan, my team has ended up losing. Um, I think the probably the best like Michigan result I saw was Michigan beating Michigan state in Chrysler, the Karis Levert year, which would have been, I'm trying to remember if that was the year after Stauskas too, or it was either 14 or 15, somewhere in there where Levert was the best player. And he hit the buzzer beater three at halftime and turned around and like was running while the ball was still in the air. Um, but even that, like that didn't feel like the most important Michigan, Michigan state game ever. So my real answer to this would be stuff we've gotten to cover like media wise, which I think is a cop out and not the intended answer that Ethan's looking for here. But like, like my first final four with a media credential was the Duke Carolina game like that i had to like walk around because i was hyperventilating at the same time like i can't believe i'm credentialed as if i'm working this so that's up there um and then we like you weren't there actually i forget you had your vegas trip i think but i dragged roby andrew robeson with me as a sleepers photographer to the big 10 tournament a couple years ago mm-hmm. and was just like sitting in a courtside media seat while keegan murray and Trace Jackson Davis went at it. It was fantastic. Were you like, were you chopping it up with uh, Mike Schmitz too? Yeah, I literally like <laughs> Mike Schmitz was asking me for my Max Christie thoughts, and uh, it was fantastic. Just great week. <laughs> I kept going up to Doug Gottlieb, uh, like because <laughs> Doug Gottlieb every single 
break, whether it was like halftime, whether it was a media timeout, whatever, every single break, this man would be in the media cafeteria shoving chicken tenders, like just, just guzzling them. So every single time I saw him, I would just walk up and be like, <laughs> just like make it known. Like I see what you're doing. Gottlieb wild experience. Uh, I think those are all the comments. Ethan goes in and says one of his underrated games that he loved was the 2016 battle for Atlantis Tum Tum in the Bahamas in front of a hometown crowd. And he had that dunk. That was a wild moment for sure. Um, Keith says picks or it didn't happen on you saying there is a discourse about Cooper being the best center. We might need to bring some receipts on that. And the final comment of the day from Trevor Salee, favorite Olympic sport to watch. I have to roll with swimming because I was a swimmer, but water polo and curling are electric. Uh, I love all Olympic sports. Just want to throw that out there. Like I enjoy watching them more of a, I think I would lean more summer than winter, but I do like both uh, just because I like watching the track events. So like four by four, four by one, you know, the hundred meter, 200 meter. I love watching all that. Okay. Uh, I, yeah, I like most Olympic sports. Uh, I don't like, you can't get me into like fencing, but I like most of the rest. Um, I don't love watching Olympic gymnastics. That might be my hottest take. I know a lot of people do and get really into it. I just not a gymnastics guy, but if I had to pick a favorite Olympic sport beyond the main, like big sports, I might throw a, a little table tennis love out there cart. Like if Olympic table tennis is on television, I will be watching it. Is tennis a regular Olympic sport? No. Tennis should be an Olympic sport. At least I don't think so. If it is, Uh, I've never watched it. It should be if it isn't. Yeah, probably a good idea. All right, thanks to the Discord. Discord community, we're having a lot of fun in there, man. Uh, It's really like the activity has picked up quite a bit and this is still the off season so i know when football gets here and basketball gets here it's going to get better and better and uh, the numbers keep going up as well i think we had about five new people join yesterday a lot of people commenting telling us they will join obviously no immediate pressure we're not holding it against anybody who doesn't want to join the discord or can't do it but uh i think it is starting to become something people are really enjoying so uh two more days before we cut off the comments for now though cart we move to the youtube comments there's 23 of them today and we're gonna fly through because i have a 40 minute hard stop 40 minutes out from now ulamog says uh he has the comments clipped again we love him ulamog shout out to you neil stuckey says just want to say this before you stop reading the youtube comments appreciate all the work and great content you guys have done the interaction with your viewers fans is huge and has started a great community that continues to grow i'll be joining the discord group at some point in the future but with recently buying a house getting some unforeseen extra expenses adding another expense isn't in the budget at this time i'll still be watching almost every day as i have been and dropping comments from time to time keep up the great work and don't lose that blue collar grind neil stucky man salute we love you salute to you neil and we know what it's like with unforeseen house expenses believe us okay (laughs) uh hang in there my friend and we appreciate you no rush but would love to see you in there at some point whenever it makes sense michael k remen is back cart retracting his 20 percent chance nebraska makes a sweet 16 run and then immediately giving osu a 70 percent chance is peak sleepers contest (laughs) I, I do what I got to do. Not a math podcast. <laughs> Lindsey Green. Podcast. Lindsey Green says, I love y'all. Can I buy Carter a new mic, please? Yeah, I guess. I didn't really. God, I just don't think my mic is that bad. I know it's not as nice as Greg's. Greg's got a really nice one, but uh, maybe I'll do a mic upgrade here soon. I will. 
Justin Spiro's been on you for this for like years. And when he was pushing back on it, I was like, I really don't see it. Like, I thought he was just making shit up. And now it appears like everyone seems to give you like a B minus C plus quality grade, whereas mine's just an A. I, I, I don't know. It might be an, I think it might be an acoustics thing, too, in the room I'm recording in. I think it's very like everything bounces off the walls. Like you got sound panels. I think I might need panels. This is true. Uh, it's it's blue collar of us to have not great quality. That's kind of a staple of sleepers content at this point, but we're working on it and appreciate people's honest feedback about it because uh, we want this to be an A plus show across the board. We don't want this to be a B minus show. Steve Dunn says also real quick. Yes to deleting Gonzaga. I also enjoyed their story for a time, but now all I see is the easiest path to attaining a one seed in the tournament ever. It's like a weird loophole and it drives me crazy to see the committee reward them time and time again, join a basketball conference or a five Five seed should be the highest you can achieve. Okay, I'm kidding on the five seed thing, but you get my point. I kind of wish you weren't kidding on the five seed thing. <laughs> I like that idea, Steve. I'm in on that. Because they just, they really did have like four years in a row. They were like with Shemek Karnowski as their best player and they're hey. the number one overall seed. Like, Relax. What are we doing? Relax. Okay, I'm sorry. Kevin Deaton says, when you guys were talking about the SEC teams, they'll be ahead of Alabama to start the season. You left out Tennessee and Arkansas. I think they'll be considered the top two teams in the league to start the year. So those two and Kentucky will be ahead of Alabama, maybe A&M too. Again, though, I respect Bama and Oates as a coach. They'll be good. But like I said, they'll start out fourth or fifth. Not saying that's where they'll finish, but I don't expect them to win the league again either. Let's let just be known. If Greg has a main SEC enemy of Todd Golden, my main enemy is the Scoby from Tennessee, okay? Go get a job. Go play somewhere else. Stop it. Let it go. I really, I really wanted to like the real Slim Scoby last year, but uh, we never got there. He just he doesn't have the game to back it up, sadly. I, it, I thought you were going to say Rick Barnes when you went on a Tennessee hate rant, but uh, to end up on the real Slim Scoby, okay. I respect it. We don't love Tennessee here. I love when my team plays Tennessee in March. But we don't love Tennessee here. Steve Dunn is back. He says, I have to say, I completely agree with you, Greg. Jackson Kohler showed many more signs than Cooper of becoming a big time player in the post. I honestly like both their upsides for different skill sets and don't think either leave the program. I think if Jax has a good year this year, that's accurate. As long as like if, if Jax beats out Cooper for backup center, then I think neither of them leave the program. But if Coop was to overtake Jax, I think the writing could be on the wall there. Mm. But also, like, couldn't Jax overtake body? Yeah, I mean, in theory. I just don't yeah. you think Izzo's just going to start body though? See, but in theory, this is where I'm coming from. Where's body going to go? Jackson has somewhere to leave. I feel like if Jackson played more than Mahdi, Mahdi wouldn't leave regardless. So, Isn't this Mahdi's last year of eligibility? I mean, other than uh, COVID year? I think he still has a COVID year. When does COVID year end, by the way? Aren't we, like, I'm, five years don't removed ask, from that? Don't ask, don't ask me. Okay. I mean, I know like there's more strains are coming around, but at a certain point, don't players not just get six years just for being a college back? I don't know. I'm confused. Uh, Clayton. Hello, Clayton says, I think Brad would move to a different program than Illinois, even if it wasn't a blue blood, but it's not a top 15 all time scenario. Historically speaking, if you look at most polls, Illinois is generally placed in the 11th through 15th slots for all time success. I think it's more who has momentum. Just my thoughts. Um, yeah, I if that's 
how yesterday's comments were interpreted. I don't think that's what we meant. We didn't mean like 11th through 15th all time. I think we meant more momentum, but maybe. I don't know. I also think I undervalue how good Illinois was as a program before I was born. And I think we do a good job of acknowledging that we don't acknowledge that enough, and we're forward with that. That's just it. That is what it is. If there's anything we're good at, it's acknowledging things we don't acknowledge. But if there's anything we need to improve at, it's we could be better at not acknowledging that we acknowledge things we don't acknowledge. Uh, Slothy one says, you don't have to reference this one in the comment section tomorrow, but going back a few days for the record, the Illinois KU game is overwhelmingly about Bill Self from the Illinois fans perspective. Hunter is just a humorous footnote. Well, Slothy, here we are addressing it because I like this comment. Um, Yeah. I, that's that's sort of where I'm at. Hunter's a humorous footnote, but like I like humorous footnotes a lot. <laughs> I'm a, I am a humorous footnote. I go through life as a humorous footnote. Yeah, that's like if there's a humorous footnote to find, we're gonna find it and we're gonna laugh at it. Clay, uh, that- one thing I gotta say though, I do gotta say we don't. I guess we really don't understand, or at least I don't personally, the return of Bill Self being that big as much as I guess Illinois fans will. But obviously, being Illinois fans, but I, I guess I just. I think I I do understand that. And I I think I am acknowledging it, to be honest. You also like, didn't you not know Bill Self was ever an Illinois coach like three weeks ago? (laughs) I wouldn't say that. I think there's a moment from an episode where you're like, I didn't even know Bill Self. Like he coached at Illinois. And I'm like, yeah. I'm pretty sure that happened. (laughs) We can run the film back. Okay, we can run it back. Uh, Clayton's back. He says, okay, the Mount Rushmore of Sleepwalkers has sold me. I'm done dragging my feet. I'm joining the Discord. And cart reading between the lines, even though you can't say it anymore, it's comforting to have your non-guarantee guarantee. I'm going to make my investment back with your insights. No, you won't. You've gotten so good at the regulation side of this in just 24 hours. I'm impressed. Good work. Uh, Clayton, we would love to see you in there, my friend. Uh, I'm looking forward to whenever you join. Your master says the scale should be chance to make the tournament. Uh, chance to make Sweet 16. Maybe he's talking about the randomizer. It should be their chances to make the the tournament instead of chances to make the Sweet 16. Is that what it is? Probably that, yeah. I think we're missing some words in the comment. But, um, yeah, I think the whole intention with that is to, like, we have to stretch ourselves a little bit through the bounds of reality. Um, I don't think that series is going overly well. So we we also have drawn three of the teams people are least interested in talking about or listening to. We know that from experience from taking three trips there last year. So uh, hopefully it picks up a little bit. But for now, we're just going to keep plugging away, talking about what Minnesota needs to do to make a sweet 16 while 20 people listen to it. Malik Perry says MSU sophomore class has to prove themselves. They're not lawyer Watts, Kithier or Brooks. They could be really good. Just let them improve first. Sissoko should start Greg because he needs more than just a school named after him. I, I just want to go to the next comment. <laughs> we can't have any response to this one because I, I feel like we're doing Malik a little dirty with our responses to his comments. I was a little harsh earlier this week. I know Malik is a, an active member on our sleepers videos, and I appreciate that. I mean, I did the, out of the guys he named. I mean, he brought up the Watts class and things like that. The Watts class is already more productive than this freshman class was, or I think is going to be. I don't know. I just don't have that high. I guess 
what I'll say is, I don't know if it's the right word, the barometer, the ceiling for the sophomore class, I think should be a lot lower than where people have it. That's 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 what I'll say. They were expecting a little bit too much. Yeah, and I get like players do improve. They get better. That's absolutely a thing. But they don't have to improve, if that makes sense. Like they they can improve, but like players also are allowed to come in and be really good if they're good. And last year's freshmen were not. In fact, this year's freshmen from Michigan State are going to be really good because they're good players. So uh, sometimes players can improve from bad to good. Sometimes players can improve from good to great, but it's not a requirement that players start bad and then improve. Um, it just so happens that last year's freshmen started bad. So I don't know, Malik, we'll see what happens. Uh, and yeah, maybe a little harsh of me on the Madi Sissoko school comment, but then again, I was still mad at Carter for his uh, agent comments. So he gets the worst out of me sometimes. Kevin Deaton is back. He says, Greg, I think you read the last part of my comment wrong from yesterday. I've been reading comments wrong like all week. Apparently, this is harder than it looks, but I'm trying. He says, I went back and reread it just to make sure I didn't type it wrong. I said, guess who else St. Peter's beat, not who beat them. I was just messing with Carter a little bit. The answer to that question is his favorite team to talk about. Yeah, I, I do forgot. I do remember that. I can't believe Painter could get by those guys, man. Weird shit happens, man. It's March is what it is. Crazy is what it is. Kihei Clark is the biggest detriment to the Purdue program right now. The greatest pass in NCAA history. Your master says pick one team outside the top 10 that will make the college football playoff and one top five team that will not make the playoff. Fun question. Mm. I honestly would have to bring up the AP top 25 poll. Go ahead. Go ahead. Bring it up, Cart. Go ahead. Bring it up. One team, so one team in the top five that won't make it, and then one team. Correct. Okay. The one team in the top five, I think, won't make it. I think I would go Ohio State. I think Ohio State with that, just because don't know they have a quarterback. And I think people want to say Bama, but I'll say this. When you doubt the greats, the greats sometimes show you or have to remind you that they're the greats. And I think Saban is one of those guys. And if you think Saban's not in that locker room, like they're talking bad, they really think we fell off. They they forgot we're Bama. This could be a generational, you really forgot we're Bama type year. So I think I'd go with Ohio State in that, um, you know, the people who are starting on third base, as some fan bases say. Um Teams to make it outside the top 10. Hmm. You know what? I think I might, I think I might go Notre Dame. Yeah, like I, think that. I might go, I think I might go Notre Dame. I, I truly think they got a good team. They really just needed a quarterback. And Sam Hartman is, I'm pretty sure he was in the Heisman like top six, top eight, like before they went to New York finalists, or he was up there. I think he's that level of talent. It's like a six-year playing college football. Uh, they haven't had a quarterback that's dynamic in a while. I think he's going to be really good. So I think I'd go with Notre Dame, um, even though my second choice might have been Tennessee, just because I love Joe Milton. Um, but I think I will go with Notre Dame. That's an insane thing to just loop in there at the last second for no reason. Love Joe. If I was a college quarterback, I'd be Joe Milton. 
Got it. Okay. I guess I can, <laughs> I can follow that line of thinking better than I love Joe Milton. Um, I have a quick question because Sam Hartman is a stud. That's true. Whether like whatever your answer is to my next question, it's true. Sam Hartman is a stud. Is he good or is he just good looking? Uh, both. Are we sure it's both? Yes. <laughs> I'm not positive it's both. I think it's both. I I want to believe it's both, but I have a slight little back of my mind. Call it the body language reader thing in me. Now it's applying to football now. I think he might just be good looking. I Are think you, that you, might you be think it. He's getting, you think he's getting a handsome bump? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, look, Wake Forest was really good, uh, except they weren't, right? Like Everybody wanted Wake Forest to be really good. Everybody kept talking about how good Hartman was. And then, like, I flip on their game and they're down two touchdowns in the third quarter to, like, the seventh place ACC team. And he's running the read option and making the wrong read repeatedly. So, I like, I want to buy it. I just, like, all the offseason stuff I'm seeing, like, the video of him buying beats for the whole team, he's just handsome. Like, that's all it is. He's walking around. He's so damn handsome. Like, that's the thing. If people get blinded by the handsomeness. Um, my top five team, this is going to be shocking, I think. Uh, I think Georgia will not make the playoff this year. I think that they lose way too many important pieces. I know a lot of guys are back, but um, I was a Stetson believer, as I know you were. Stet Holmgren is what I called him. I think he was more than just an element of how good those teams were. I think he was like a critical, critical piece. And uh, I think this is Alabama's year to take it back. So if Alabama takes it back from Georgia, I don't think Georgia makes the playoff. And then outside of the top 10, I was going to say Notre Dame, but uh, I'll go Utah. I think that we saw Utah own USC the two times. Game rising. Yeah, we saw just the two biggest games of the year. Utah beat USC in both. So um, a lot of people are buying the Heisman and the Trojans. Give me Utah right now, though. We'll see what happens. Back to the YouTube comments. Um, some charlatan. What is that? That's their QB? That's Georgia's QB this year. Yeah, I just, I'm not buying that as a playoff. I'm just, <laughs> not. I'm just not. Some charlatan says most light beer drinkers seem to think anyone who drinks IPAs just do it to look or sound cool. Kind of weird phenomenon. I just like IPAs and stouts, sours, halves, reds, barley wines, etc. Um, some charlatan, I love you. I don't mean to disrespect you too much here, but, uh, those first three sentences is exactly like why I have the stance on IP. Like IPA people need to tell you how much they love drinking these random things. Like, I'm not going to go on a comment and be like, I love Miller and Bush and uh, Pabst and all this random shit. Like I, I respect it. I love that you enjoy those things. IPA drinkers just want people to know they like drinking stouts and sours and hefts and reds and barley wines. Like, congrats. I don't know. Is that too harsh? No, that's, that's, that's basically pretty much what I was thinking. I don't know. Um, he even said, if you offer me a Bud Light or a Coors or something, no thank you. I'll have water. Where's the blue collar grind? Where's the blue? <laughs> come on, come on. Um, Berserker says Holtman's best record in the last five years is 21 and 10 with a team that had more talent and more experience than this version. They lost 19 games last year. One year later with six of the top eight players being underclassmen, they are all of a sudden one of the best teams in the big 10. I don't think so. Stop living in the past. It's a new day. 
I'd rather blame Bryce Sensabaugh than blame Chris Holtman. And then he says, I agree Walker is better than Kamwa, but if he is the third best player in the Big Ten, the Big Ten will be horrible. Also, if Walker ends up averaging more than 16 points per game this year, Michigan State will not be in the top five at the end of the year. He is good, not great. You guys need to check yourselves on Walker. He is slightly better than Trent Frazier on offense and worse on defense. Walker should be the third best player on a top five team, just like Frazier was. If Frazier was the best player his last two years, he would have averaged 15 points per game and lost 13 games a year too. I love Trent Frazier. And I don't want to address this comment because Illinois fans are going to make me hate him. Who do you think Trent Frazier was? Like, come on now. What, what, what are we doing here, man? I love Trent Frazier too. I mean, he's a great role player, but stop it. Tyson Walker is clear of Trent Frazier in every aspect of the game. Tyson Walker is just as good a defender as Trent Frazier is too, by the way. Let that be known. I would push back on that part. But um, yeah, I just don't like the hypotheticals of like, if Trent Frazier was on this type of team, he would average 15. He never averaged 15. Never came close. Like Trent Frazier never came close to doing what Tyson Walker did offensively last season. So I don't think you can make that comp. Um I do kind of agree with your point about like if Walker's the third best player in the league, the league stinks. That might be true. Um, but I, I don't view that as like a Tyson Walker diss. It's more about not, like not, the guys okay, but what, what if Tyson Walker ends up being all American? Does that mean the country stinks? I, I think it says something about the state of college basketball. I do. Like Tyson Walker is like eighth on national player of the year betting odds. Um and that's I don't mean that as disrespect to Tyson Walker. I truly don't. I think he's a good player. I think he's like a fifteen a game scorer though. Like that's the eighth best player in the country now. I don't know. Like we we've gone through the Big Ten cart. Like there's one pro prospect, one and a half. Mbako and Kalaware are the two pro prospects in this league. Tyson Walker's the third best player. Boo is the fourth best player. It's a it's a bad time in the league. And I don't it says more about the other guys. I don't fully understand your point, so I'm just gonna take this disrespect and we can move on. All right, those are all the YouTube comments today. One more day. To get your YouTube comments in before we shut it off, everybody. Uh, and on a real note, maybe a small sentimental note, thank you to everybody for uh, buying into this daily episodes thing so much. We've had more fun doing this than I think we ever intended to or thought that we would. Uh, it's really rejuvenated and re-energized us as a duo and as content creators. So our goal really is to make this a full-time thing. And we're getting a lot closer to that. We have a lot of really cool stuff in the works. You guys are entirely the reason why. And the more you engage, the more you comment, the more you support in various forms uh, is the direct reason why we're able to do all this stuff. So thank you to everybody. Uh, we don't want you to feel like we're ignoring you when we turn off the YouTube comments and we stop responding to them. Please feel free to keep responding to them. It's going to help the videos if you do so. I promise you we'll still be looking at them. We'll probably use some of the prompts as topics on episodes. Um, but yeah, things might change a little bit with us just sort of catering more towards the discord starting next week. But uh, from the bottom of our hearts and my heart, thank you because it's been really fun. Yeah. Congrats on being on the right side of us too. Cause being our enemy ain't fun. <laughs> Three topics today, Cart. Let's start with uh, a recruit that the Michigan coaching staff feels great about. Darius Acuff is a top 10 player in the country. He is a uh, state of Michigan kid who is a dynamic, explosive guard, and everybody in the country wants him. Like if, if a guard has a Kentucky offer, by my book, everybody in the country wants him. He has a lot of other prestigious programs that are also after him as well, Alabama being one of them. 
uh, Michigan certainly being one of them. I want to throw it to you because you are the sleepers in-house recruiting expert. Give me your Darius Acuff breakdown because I believe this is the first time we've ever talked about him on this show. And then uh, the the other reason we're talking about him, Cart, he's visiting Michigan September 1st through 3rd. He will be taking an official visit to Michigan first weekend of college football. Pretty big week to line up a big recruit like this. So uh, does Michigan have a real chance here? But first, what's your outlook on Acuff? Okay, so if you were looking at players that have had not just one of the best summers, one of the best years of all of, you know, ascension and success, Darius Acuff is one of these players. So I actually first saw him uh, during the high school season with the Cast Tech High School, which is in Detroit, uh, in the PSL. And I basically got word through just people that I talked to in college basketball grassroots circles in Michigan. They're like, there's this sophomore from Cass Tech, and he can go. Like, he's a bad mf basically. So I made my way out. I think it was – I went to go see a game at Renaissance or something like that, one of those high school, um, you know, uh, holiday tournaments. And I came away like, dog, this kid can go. And at the time, like, he wasn't really – he wasn't highly ranked. I don't even know if he was ranked, to be honest with you. But you could see that this kid could go fast forward to the state championship playoffs – he leaves Cass Tech as a sophomore in Class A to a state championship. Everything's going great. He's starting to pick up a little bit of steam. Still a, a fringe-ranked kid. Gets on the circuit with the family playing up with 17 and under. He's a Class of 2025 kid. And basically, at session after session, is one of the best scorers on EYBL and um is you know getting all the accolades first team all eybl and then steam starts picking up he gets into the top 100 by the last session he's a five star he's getting all the blue blood offers kentucky's coming in and now he's transferring to img academy to play on the prep circuit which is what all great michigan high school athletes do because the mhsaa is out of their goddamn mind and they need to fix themselves so he is an absolute dynamic scorer. Um, I don't know if I had a actual comp for him, but think like what Trey Burke did at Michigan. Darius Acuff can do that and have that type of impact. I think he can score the ball as well as Trey Burke scores the ball. I don't know if he can necessarily do the other things that Trey Burke did. So I think Trey Burke was an underrated passer in my eyes. But as far as scoring, I think he can have a Trey Burke type effect at Michigan. Like he's a pure bucket getter and he's just scratching the surface. I'm sorry. My eyes felt like they were stuck for a moment there. Six two Trey Burke. Yes. That's the comp. Wow. Um shit. <laughs> he's he's tough, man. That that dude's a bucket for real. I know he's tough. I I don't know. This is such an oversimplified way to say it, but like it really the the phrase or the thought I had after watching a bunch of film on him last night was just he can go. <laughs> and I know we've said that before. You said it directly as you talk about it. But it's just it's funny. That's like something that you and I both immediately came to. Um, well, uh, yeah. well, the reason I go to that so quickly is because everyone's like, oh, he's six two, like doesn't have crazy wingspan, doesn't have crazy athleticism. But he played up with 17 and under and plays again on one of the best AAU circuits. And everybody he put in front of him was food. Yeah, it's like it's almost like his production shines through the tape. And sometimes it's hard when you watch a highlight reel. I think it's difficult to sometimes pick up like, oh, is this guy like a nine a game guy 
or is he a 20 a game guy? It's just clips of him doing good things. Like Acuff, you can just watch the watch highlights literally, and you're like, that dude is a box score stuffer. Uh, and I think he does a lot to impact winning too. Um, there's a reason everybody's after him. This is also important to know, like massive riser. It kind of not at all their games because not similar whatsoever in the way they play. But the recruitment reminds me of Devin Booker's recruitment. And uh, I'll go back to just paint a picture of what it was like when Michigan was recruiting Devin Booker years ago. Devin Booker was a four star recruit even lower in some services. John Beeline identifies the under the radar gem, classic De- John Beeline move. Devin Booker with a bunch of baby fat comes to a Michigan uh, camp and just absolutely dominates it. Beeline thinks he's going to get a commitment that weekend. The day before he's supposed to get a commitment, Devin Booker gets calls from Kentucky and other schools across the country. His recruitment blows up. He becomes a five-star Devin Booker ends up at Kentucky and uh, that cycle was a really horrible cycle for Michigan. Like they were after like James Blackman, a bunch of other really talented guards. They got none of them. And it's what sort of set them back in that little like gap between title appearances. Like they had a class where they just missed on Devin Booker and every other tier one target. So Booker again, guy from the state of Michigan leaves the state of Michigan blows the hell up. And Michigan, even though they had the tightest ties, ends up not getting him. Those are the vibes I'm getting here with Acuff. And I think at the time it felt like Booker was really important to the John Beeline era. Uh, I would say this, Cart. I think Acuff and to a lesser extent, Trey McKenney are incredibly important to where Jawan Howard goes from here. Because these are kids he has a real shot at. And you've heard me come on here plenty of times before. I don't think Jawan Howard has a real shot. And a lot of the guys he recruits, I mean, he's still quote unquote after Cooper flag, right? Like those are the recruitments he's entering and you're rolling your eyes at him. I'm not rolling my eyes at Acuff and McKenney. He can get these kids, but he has to get them. And if he doesn't, yeah. uh, I don't know where he goes. Yeah. And, and with Acuff specifically, um, and I don't know if this applies to basketball, but just historically, there seems to be a connection between Cass Tech High School and the University of Michigan. I think it's a, a very close-knit connection as far as athletes that have success at Cass Tech going to Michigan. You know, you think back to, like, the Donovan Peoples-Jones, uh, you know, a couple other uh, football players mainly. But there is a connection between Cass Tech and Michigan, I think. Um, so I, I think they do have a leg up on that. Obviously, him going to IMG is going to continue to expand his game and get his name on a bigger stage. But, you know, I think that Michigan would have a chance. And honestly, all Michigan schools had a chance to have a leg up on these recruits, on, on the A-Cuffs and the McKennies with them being in-state. And McKennies obviously staying in his school, but who knows how long he's going to be there. IMG also has ties to Juwan. Um, IMG has ties with everybody. I, 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 but, I forgot about that. Yeah, Jack. But yeah, like when I when I heard Acuff, oh, he's IMG now, that's a good development for Michigan compared to, oh, if he was going to Montverde or something like that. Like Jet and a lot of guys that Jawan has recruited and landed have gone through IMG. So um, I between the two I mentioned, Acuff and McKenney, I think Michigan has a significantly stronger shot with Acuff. That's my gut feel. Um, I think it's massive. Like massive they got this visit when they got this visit. Opening college football weekend, official visit, three days with a top 10 recruit in the country that's from your state. Like, 
this better be a full court press. And uh, I'm not saying I feel good about it, but I think they have a chance. And that's way nicer than I would say about a lot of the other recruits Juwan's after right now. So uh, we like Darius Acuff. He's going to be great wherever he goes. Anytime you can get a Kentucky guard to not play for Kentucky, that's a win. And that's how I view Darius Acuff right now. Let's move on to uh, DK has his wings and forward list. Um, so he did his guards list a couple weeks ago. We came on and basically did our reaction to it on the show. I uh, want to give DK all the credit. He put all the work into this, by the way. So SpartanHoops.com is where you can get the work from David Klein. He does a great job covering Michigan State basketball. What are your initial impressions on the wings forward list here? Let's just run through it quickly so that people that haven't read it can hear it. Um, Olivier Kamwa, tier one, first name yeah. on the on the list, all Big Ten upside. Jay Nakins in that tier. Gavin Griffiths from Rutgers in that tier. Peyton Sanford from Iowa in that tier. It's a four-man tier. Then you go down to tier two. It's Dawson Garcia. It's Jamison Battle. It's Scotty Middleton. It's Coleman Hawkins. And then down to tier three, which he calls stable two-way pieces, Malik Hall, Tyler Wall, and Mackenzie Mbako. What are your thoughts? So uh, first off, great work by DK as always. I thought he actually did really good on this list. I didn't find any ones that was like, uh, that kind of doesn't really uh, work with me. I think the biggest takeaway from this is that the, whatever you want to call it, wing power forward role in the Big Ten is one that's going to be down this season. Um, I don't know if, just because if you had to pick the best power forward in the league, yes, I'm probably picking in Kamwa, but I can also make an argument for like Coleman Hawkins. I would also hear arguments for other players as well. Um, You know, Dawson Garcia, I think is extremely talented and, you know, has the numbers, but obviously in Minnesota's situation of what they had, you know, they're an awful team, but you put Dawson Garcia on another team. I think there's a lot of teams in the big 10 that would take him. Uh, I think my biggest gripe, and I think you already know what it's going to be, is that I think Coleman Hawkins is too low. I think Coleman Hawkins has all Big Ten potential. And I think that Tyler Wall is more than a stable two-way piece if he's healthy. I think that Tyler Wall is an actual contributor enough. So I don't think he should be in that tier. One day, decades from now, historians will study why you love Tyler Wall so much. Like he, just, everything about him goes against like guys you irrationally love. Like there are no vibes with Tyler Wall. There is no like dog mentality with Tyler Wall. He's just like a glass of milk, and you hate milk too. So I don't, I don't understand the love for Tyler Wall. I've never seen you love a nine points a game guy so much. But hey, here we are. Uh, Eleven. I, Eleven. I, 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 I agree on Coleman. Uh, you and I, I think, are collectively higher on Coleman than a lot of people, but definitely than DK. DK is about as low on Coleman as I think you can be. In general, I like this list. I think this list is better than his guards list. Not that his guards list was bad, but I have less issues or concerns or criticisms of this list. I still think it's a little wild. I'm not even saying it's inaccurate, but I think it's a little wild that Olivier Com was the first name on this list. Um, again, I don't think Tennessee fans who have watched him for three years would be like, oh, that's the best power forward in the SEC or that's the best power forward in the Big Ten. Like he just he has work to do to get there, in my opinion. And the fact that we're throwing him ahead of all these guys already just because he's going to be a first option is a little wild to me. I don't know what he's going to look like as a first option Um, going down like a little weird to me to see Aikens and Griffiths as the second and third names on this list. And I like Gavin Griffiths. I think he can be great. But he's not even the the freshman I would put 
on this list. If I was going to pick a freshman, I would go Scotty Middleton first. I would also consider Kaiser first. Um, at the very least, I think he should be in the same tier as those guys and not a tier above until we see what he looks like. And Aikens, you heard me say this last time, but I just really strongly believe this was a play to get Aikens the second name on the list instead of the fifth name on the list or six. Like if you throw him in the guards list, he's three tiers down. If you throw him on the wings list because it is weaker, now he's the second name. So um, if you throw Shannon in this list, does he automatically go to one? Shannon's in a tier of his own if you put Shannon on this list, right? And that's, I, I again, that's just how positionally I would have done it. I get how DK did it and why he did it. It makes sense. Uh, I just would have done it a different way. So a um, couple of things for me, Mackenzie Mbako in the third tier with stable two-way pieces with Malik Hall and Tyler Wall. I don't really get that one because I, I view Hall and Wall as two guys who we know 100% what they are and there's no like unknown ceiling that they could exceed. Uh, Mackenzie Mbako is a massive upside play. So I, I don't really get why they're lumped in together. Do you get that one? No, I don't. And I know this probably be a cop out and cheating and like, and this is exactly why I do things like say 70% and, you know, make my own tiers. If I was doing this list, I'd probably put like a tier of, I guess, freshmen that could be really good. That could be all big 10 players. And well, maybe not all big 10. I don't know how I would label the tier, but I think I put a tier with just like the freshmen that could be, high impact or high highly productive guys in the big 10 and i would have just thrown in griffiths kaiser and baco and middleton and like booker and booker and Carr, right like which See, he, i would have car yes but i probably would have left booker for the big the bigs list i guess okay. but i guess i guess and con was a big though too like he's a four yeah so I, I, one more thing i know we're gonna move on last thing i want to say whenever people bring up in if the first thing that you say to defend him is that he's played so many games for Tennessee and played in the SEC and was a rotation and was a, a piece for an SEC team, that scares me a little bit. I, I'm just saying. Like, the inconsistencies are there, and I feel like the inconsistencies get ignored for some reason. Yeah, it's loud. His inconsistencies are very loud, which is why it's very concerning he has to be a first option. I don't think that's going to go as smooth as people think. Um, overall, Good work, DK. Appreciate you putting so much thought and effort into this. Uh, my last statement is I think there's a lot of guys in the honorable mentions category that at the end of the year could be top 20 players in this conference. And maybe they don't warrant being included early. But um, if we are truly like, who would we take? Give me the freshman. Give me Trey Kaufman, Ren. Give me some of these breakout guys over Malik Hall and Tyler Wall at the end of this season. And uh, there's other names that are veterans that you could throw in there, too. If you don't like Coleman Hawkins, fine. Lump him in there, too. We like Coleman on this show. We have five minutes left because I have a hard stop. So we're not going to do the randomizer game cart. Uh, we're going to do an ambush topic I'm going to throw at you. Cooper Flag has announced the visits he's taking. He's going to visit Kansas and UConn in addition to Duke. That was surprising to me because everyone assumes he's just a Duke lock. So. I want to ask you this, not where is Cooper flag going to go? Cause I think we all know where Cooper flag is going to go. Barring a surprise. Where should Cooper flag go? We've talked about it briefly on here of like, what would we do? What's like the fun route, but I want a serious answer. What should Cooper flag do? What's best for him as a player? Kansas. Ooh, why? Kansas. 
So I think Kansas has the best coach out of those three schools. I think Kansas has a crazy fan base. And there's nothing that Kansas likes getting behind more than a white wing. <laughs> do they like their white wings more than Duke likes their white wings, though? I do, because I think that white wings at Duke are the actual DNA of the school. At at Kansas, they're more of like that unicorn, and they just got to get behind a white wing. So I was going back through this because – uh, this was sort of my hypothesis too, is like, if he's going to actually consider Kansas and UConn, are we sure that those aren't better options than Duke for him at this point? I was going back through it. Duke hasn't exactly been a great landing spot for like small forward prototypes, right? I feel like if you go through guys who have made all American teams at Duke over the last decade, it's centers. Like they've had a bunch of great centers or it's like, shooting guards or guard guards right like but for the most part it's like it's like zion bagley vernon carey jaleel okafer mason Plumley, and then you have to go all the way back to like john shire to go beyond that they've had a couple really good wings like rj barrett is in there um i guess if you consider paolo a wing and not like a power forward but i kind of view him more of a big big um but like then you go to kansas man like in the last two years they've had a first team all-american wing Jalen Wilson and Ochai Baji. So like, I almost feel like it would be better if Cooper flag ended up at Kansas. And I'm not saying like, I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's a done deal to Duke, but I'm a little shocked. He's taking these visits, man. Cause I thought this was just like raps. He's, he's a blue devil. And I don't, <laughs> if I'm a Duke fan, I would not feel great that bill self is getting a chance to backdoor this. Oh no. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be terrified. hundred percent. I don't know. Do you still with think all this, with all this said he goes to Duke? It's it's still Duke. Yeah. No official visit to Maine. No, I don't, I don't even know if they have the budget to host official visits. Do we think Hunter Dickinson hosts him on his visit to Kansas? Yes. Who who hosts him from these three spots? From UConn, from Duke, and from Kansas. Who is Cooper Flag's host? I feel like Duke's bringing back Coach K to actually host him. Or Coach K's grandson. If I'm Cooper Flag, that loses me. <laughs> if I, well, except for the grandson. <laughs> uh, Kansas, Kansas got to be Hunter Dickinson. UConn, uh, Cam Spencer. I don't know. If Klingon, yeah, if, if it's Klingon, Dickinson, and Michael Savarino, he's going to Duke. <laughs> What a, what a host list. Simple as that. All right. It'll be fun to watch what happens with Cooper Flag. Let's finish the show with our one big thing presented by Big B. Uh, I have a nice coffee in my hand that's not from Big B today. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Big B. Actually sponsor the show then, Big B. One big thing presented by Big B. My one big thing is that don't get upset when your dog is all over you and making noise and making a bunch of scenes. They literally wait all day to see you, okay? They have a very short time on this earth, by the way. Dogs only live like, I don't know, maybe 8 to 12, sometimes maybe at most 16 years, okay? The highlight of their day is spending time with you, taking them for walks, doing things with them. Don't take your annoyances out from work or anything else in life and take it out on your dog. Love them. They love you more than anything. Hashtag not a math podcast. You go eight, 12, 16 years. <laughs> like such a spectrum, man. I had a um, dog live 16 years. I love, I love your sentiments. I mean, are we a pro dog podcast? 100%. Dogs over cats, all that. For all the dogs. Uh, my Ooh. one, my one big thing today, 
is I'm going to a concert tonight. And uh, I'm just going to say it, Carl. I'm going to a Jonas Brothers concert tonight. And I was in Slack with my job with Dimers. And I told him I'm going to a concert. People asked where I'm going. And I played it off in the Slack like it's embarrassing to say. I was like, I'm embarrassed to say this. This is my wife's birthday present, yada, yada. No, here's the truth. I have a confession. I'm pumped that I'm going to see the Jonas Brothers tonight. Okay, here's a couple of things you need to quickly know about me. I love a good boy band. Probably one of my favorite things on earth is a boy band. Like I grew up and sync 98 degrees backstreet boys okay i know the deep cuts there i can sing the lyrics some say i'm jc shazez in podcast form okay but the jonas brothers are different not huge fan growing up like wasn't into the disney channel pop shit but don't look me in the eyes and tell me nick can't hit a falsetto don't look me in the eyes and tell me joe doesn't have some pipes and more importantly their newest album is a slapper from start to finish. John Bellion wrote the whole thing. John Bellion is a musical genius. And uh, I'm going to get three hours of the Jonas Brothers tonight, probably get five, six seltzers in me in Little Caesars Arena. I can't wait. My, I already got the fit picked out. So let me be clear. I'm not embarrassed. I'm seeing the Jonas Brothers tonight, and I can't wait. Salute. We'll see you tomorrow on Riley Fridays. Have a great night, everybody.